0: facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Welcome to the program. A terrific Tuesday to you. It is June the 6th, 2023, and man, we've got a full plate for you. 888-914-9149 is the number to call to talk to me for free about any of the stuff that we're going to deal with today. And it was anything but a slow news day, that's for sure. Uh, you can also email the program, at kale at relevantradio.com, C-A-L-E at relevantradio.com. If you have a show idea, question, comment, love to hear from you. You can also follow me on Twitter at kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. And once again, that phone number to call is 888-914-9149. Well, here at Relevant Radio, we pride ourselves on being live and in the moment. And, and and we have so much breaking news to get to. I'm going to try to do as much as I can. I'm going to try to cover the waterfront as best as I possibly can. But I only have one hour, so I'll, I'll do the best I can. If I can't get it all in, I'll try to get it in tomorrow. There's so much to talk about. Everything from Apple's game-changing new product that was announced. This, this really could be the biggest thing since the iPhone. It might even cannibalize the iphone just eat it up we'll talk about that it's spectacular but it also might be spectacularly scary and we'll tell you why it's the intersection of technology and ai and all the scary stuff that people want to talk about the scary monsters that are you know hiding under the bed well we'll we'll deal with that we'll deal with that we will also talk about time permitting uh, some sour grapes if you will (laughs) a major archdiocese in the United States, the archbishop has just announced that for years, possibly years, invalid masses have been offered, unbeknownst to the bishop, of course, and this this addition of sour grapes is because of the wine, if we can even call it wine, that was used in the mass, rendering the masses invalid. All the intentions for which these masses were offered, forget about it. And this is a a disaster. So we'll we'll talk about that, time permitting. But I have to lead with this, and virtually every news organization in North America is leading with this. This is uh, what they call in the newspaper business above-the-fold headlines. This is the big deal, and this is, in fact, the number one story uh, in the New York Times today. many other outlets. It's about the merger between the PGA... And the Saudi-backed Live Golf Tour. Now, this is way bigger than sports, people. This, this is far, far bigger than sports. It's an ethical minefield. And I actually couldn't believe that this happened. My day started... I'll tell you how my day started. My day started with a text from the shadow producer of the show, a.k.a. my wife, Trish. Actually, my, my day didn't start with that. My, my day actually started with a gin and tonic. But that, that's another story. No, I'm kidding. But... Uh, Trish did texted me this morning, saying, "Hey, have you heard the news? There is a merger between the PGA, the Professional Golfers Association of America, and and the PGA Tour, and Live Golf, uh, backed by the Saudis." And I, I said, "Yeah, right." Now I I figured there'd be a merger at some point, like years down the road, but today I said, "It's got it's got to be some sort of a, a satire piece." No way. So I said, "Yeah, go ahead and text it to me, Trish." And and it was a legit story. And then about two seconds after that, Patrick Alog, producer-at-large here at Relevant Radio, who's here with me in studio right now. Hi, Patrick. Patrick texted Thank me and, and basically said, I'm done with the PGA Tour. Correct. Did you, did you not text me that? Yes, Yes, did. I did. Yes, yeah, I did. And, and so and you're, you've had enough. Between everything that's going on with the Dodgers fiasco and, and now this, uh, you, I think you're done. I think you're, you're, you're ready to pack it in.
1: With the PGA Tour, at least... Um I'm going to still watch the majors. Those are not PGA Tour run. Uh, I know there's a lot of technicalities regarding that, but I I drew the line in the sand in terms of watching PGA Tour events, such as the Players Championship and and all, basically the regular events, not the majors. Those are not okay. PGA Tour run.
0: All right. So let, let me let's give give the people a rundown here uh, of what exactly happened today and how shocking it was and why it was shocking. You're listening to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. So, the PGA Tour, for the last year or so, has had a competitor known as Live Golf, L-I-V, which is headed up by the face of Live Golf, has been Greg Norman, who has been for years, decades, really, at odds with the PGA Tour over many things. And, by the way, the reason why it's called Live, those are the Roman numerals for 54, because they have 54 hole tournaments as opposed to 72. It's one of the sticking points, but you see the creativity there. Uh, So... This new league has been bankrolled by Saudi Arabia and its Sovereign Wealth Fund, which is worth untold numbers of billions of dollars. Uh, it's technical. Sometimes you see it abbreviated as uh, PIF, the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia. And they they agreed this morning. They announced that they agreed to a merger. And that, that put an end to all kinds of um, histrionics, all kinds of bad blood uh, that's been boiling as... Players have been leaving the PGA Tour and signing with the Saudi-backed organization for, in some cases, hundreds of millions of dollars. Some refused to do so, stayed loyal to the PGA Tour. And you you got you to think, they've got to be pretty hot under the collar. In fact, just about an hour ago, down the road from me, in Toronto, and I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall. But I can't buy locate yet. Uh, PGA Tour Commissioner... Jay Monaghan was having a players-only meeting because Toronto is the site of the Canadian Open, which is the PGA Tour stop this week. Many of the top players are there, including Rory McIlroy, who is kind of the face of the PGA Tour now with Tiger getting older and hurt and everything like that and all his issues. So Rory McIlroy has been the guy who's been the public face of the PGA Tour, has been taking all the slings and arrows publicly, and saying that you know players who defect to live are, are bad dudes, and they're just in it for the money, and they're bankrolling Saudi terrorism and all kinds of stuff. And this is sport washing. We'll get into all this in a second. Rory McIlroy himself was offered half a billion dollars to defect to live golf and said no, stayed loyal to the tour. Uh, Tiger Woods himself was actually offered almost a billion dollars. Not that he needs the cash he's already made over a billion in his career, but... Uh, he was offered eight hundred million dollars to defect. He also said no. Um, so far, he hasn't commented to my knowledge about what happened today. And this this was just an absolute shocker to everybody, including the top ten players on the tour. Many of them were tweeting out this morning. We'll, we'll get to what, what they said. They they will found out the same way that you and I did uh, through texts from friends, uh, checking social media. And, and this is this is a. Uh, this is really a wild, wild situation. And so Saudi Arabia has, for a long time now, sought to become a big player on the global sports scene, sponsoring a Premier League soccer team, sponsoring Formula One races, um, and now looking to take control of the world of golf. And uh, by the way, just, uh, just a little note here from the just-concluded meeting uh, that Jay Monahan had with the, with the players. I, this is how he described it, quote, intense. Certainly heated. In fact, uh, I saw a tweet that someone had scribbled over. There was a notice saying "Players Only Meeting" with the Commissioner, four p.m. Eastern, and someone uh, had written over top of that notice: "Live Players Meetings" because they, hey, we're we're all apparently in the same group now. And it was. We'll talk a little bit about um, about this in, in just a second. But where where did this all get started? Apparently, the talks for this merger. Started happening after the Masters tournament in April, and I, I gotta I gotta hand it to these guys. This was buttoned down like nothing I've ever seen. There were zero leaks about th- these merger meetings. Nobody talked about it. Nobody think about it. last week. There was a major championship that took place, the PGA Championship, one of the four majors. You would think that someone would have said something. The circle was obviously kept pretty tight. No golf journalist, no player that I know of was talking about this at all. This this absolutely was coming out of left field uh, this morning. And so for months, the PGA Tour, Live Golf, they've been suing one another, filing lawsuits, uh, calling the other side wicked and evil in public. But they were on the sly meeting in private to talk about this merger. First, it was in London. They met in London, then they, they hopped over to Venice, and then they continued the party in San Francisco. And PGA Tour leaders were meeting with reps from Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund, including a guy named Yasir al-Ramayan, who who is a Major League Golf fan. He also happens to be a very, very close associate, really the right-hand man of the guy they call MBS, the Saudi Crown Prince, Mohammed bin uh, Salman. And he's also the guy who's in charge of uh, the Sovereign Wealth Fund of Saudi Arabia. And so he's been wanting to get involved in in professional golf for, for a really, really long time. And apparently these meetings continued to take place. Apparently the deal was sealed at the time of Memorial Day, but nothing leaked out. Nobody talked about it until today. So the reaction has been incredibly swift, incredibly, some are calling it a great victory. Uh, People like Phil Mickelson, who was one of the first to defect uh, to the new league. But a group of survivors, relatives of victims of the 9-11 terrorist attacks, they called this deal nothing less than a betrayal, and uh, there was a there's a group that's known as there are several groups of uh, uh, relatives of, of 9/11 victims. This group is called 9/11 Families United, and earlier today, uh, they said that uh, they were their members are quote shocked and deeply offended uh, by this deal, and they even called it a betrayal by Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour commissioner here's what they said quote the pga and Monaghan appear to have become just more paid saudi shills taking billions of dollars to cleanse the saudi reputation end of quote this is this is interesting because now what, what what what's for those of you that may not know the background here a lot of critics of saudi arabia they they're looking at the investments that the country is making in sports around the world And they call it sport washing. They're trying to somehow burnish their reputation, rehabilitate their reputation amidst human rights abuses that have gone on there, including, uh, most people are aware of in the United States, the murder of the Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi. And uh, that happened, by the way, in 2018 in the uh, Saudi um, consulate in Istanbul. Uh, Back in 2018, uh, Mr. Khashoggi, who was very, very critical of MBS and the regime was in the Saudi Arabia uh, consulate. He was trying to get some paperwork that he needed for his wedding. Uh, he was attacked by Saudi agents, strangled, and then dismembered uh, with a bone saw. You probably know all the grisly details of that. Uh, but that is something that uh, has been very much in the news over the past few years. And one of the things that these 9-11 families are obviously pretty concerned about now with the PJ Tour cooperating with uh, the Saudis on this. And so we'll talk about some of the, the ethical issues here uh, going on. But th- this is an incredible reversal by Jay Monahan because about a year ago, about a year ago to the day at at the Canadian Open. And uh, this is it's amazing what happened, what, uh, what has changed in a year, because this is what Jay Monahan had to say about uh, the Saudi-backed live tour and anybody who wanted to participate in it as he was being interviewed by Jim Nance of
2: CBS at the Canadian Open. Here's the clip. Survivors of the 2001 terrorist attacks. Um, 9-11 Families United sent a letter to the representatives of Phil, Dustin, Bryson, Reed, and others quote expressing their outrage towards the golfers for participating in the new league and accusing them of sports washing and betraying the United States. End quote. That's gotten a lot of steam over the last 24 hours. That story first reported again in the New York Post. How much did you talk to your players about the possible
3: ramifications if they sign on with the new league? Well, I talked to players. I've talked at a player meeting, and I've and I've talked to a number of players uh, individually uh, for a long period of time. And I think you'd have to be living under a rock to not know that there are significant implications. And as it relates to the families of 9-11, uh, I have two families that are close to me that lost loved ones. And so my heart goes out to them. And I would ask you know, any player that has left or any player that would ever consider leaving, have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour?
0: Yeah, uh, what what an interesting quote from Jay Monahan. Have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour? Well, it seems like maybe he might have to now because he was basically calling anybody who took the live money, you know, complicit in in, in this sort of stuff in in the events of 9/11. He stopped just short of saying that. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but uh, he has now made a deal. So I'd love to hear your take on this triple eight nine one four nine one four nine well what what did people have to say about this as they were waking up to this news as they were finding out about this um here here's what uh, and feel free to jump in on any of these uh, patrick as you're with me patrick a yeah. sitting in with me on this one um this is what jay Monahan himself said when he was uh, announcing this and by the way he went on cnbc along with um uh, the saudi leader uh yasir Ramayan who's the who's the governor of the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia they announced it jointly on C- actually let's play that clip of how they taught how they announced this today this morning on CNBC
3: check this out listen I-, I think today is a it's a historical day for the PGA Tour and the game of golf uh, and it's a historical day for the PIF and the DP World Tour and you're right you know there's been a lot of tension in our sport over the last couple of years But what we're talking about today is coming together to unify the game of golf and to do so under one umbrella. And David, the way that we're doing that is we're creating a for-profit LLC uh, that the PIF is going to invest in alongside the DP World Tour. Uh, And together, we're gonna move forward uh, and we're gonna take efforts to, to grow and expand this great game and to take it to new heights. And so what's happened today, and to your earlier question, is we've recognized that together we can have a far greater impact on this game than we can working apart. And I give Yasser great credit for coming to the, t- coming to the table, coming to the discussions with an open heart and an open mind. We did the same, and the game of golf is better for what we've done here today.
0: Okay, so that was Jay Monahan. And Patrick, there's no question that he's going to try to spin this as for, a win for the players, right? For the game of golf, I guess they're going to definitely make more money. And I guess they're all
1: together again now. But it just feels, especially after the comments from last year, when he started bringing up nine eleven. it sounds very, uh, I, the only word I can describe it is, I guess, hypocritical or sla- mm-hmm. or even a little icky.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's what people are accusing him of, obviously, is hypocrisy. And that that money talks. And does anybody have any integrity anymore? Did you really mean any of those things that you said? And and obviously, from from like a golf perspective, the idea of having the best players uh, in the world not under one tent, not under one umbrella, having these competing leagues—I I never thought that that was something that would really last for a very long time. I figured there had to be a merger at some point down the road. But um, but I just I was just really surprised that it happened so soon with all the bad bloods going on. I think there's some reasons why it happened now um, that he's not necessarily talking about. We'll get into that in just a second, but here's some other reaction. Phil Mickelson, who, who very, very uh, um, publicly, you know, he, he was one of the first to, to, to transfer over to, to Live Golf, and um, it's interesting because the golf writer Alan Shipnuck and I've titled this episode, I'm shamelessly stealing this from you, Alan. Uh, he's he's coming out with a book uh, on Halloween. It's supposed to be released on Halloween. We'll probably have to move up the release date. And it's called Live and Let Die. L-I-V, like live golf and let die. We can have you even play that song. I, here it is. Say live and let
4: die.
0: That's right. Live and let die. It's all about the war between live golf and the PGA Tour, but... Of course, that song, that great song by Paul McCartney and Wings, that was the theme song of the first James Bond movie starring Roger Moore. How about that? Jane Seymour, the lovely and talented Jane Seymour, was also a Bond girl. She went on to become, of course, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. I digress. I'm really digressing. And by the way, I I, I once was on the Patrick Madrid show, guest hosting, and I did happen to say that I thought Paul McCartney and Wings were better than the Beatles. And and, and Cyrus and, and Patrick Madrid... Stop sending me Christmas cards after that. I don't. I'm, I. It may have something to do with that. But it, at any rate, so Alan Shipnuck, he's writing this book called "Live and Let Die." He's going to have to update that with a final chapter called "And They All Lived Happily Ever After." But he also wrote a book um, on Phil Mickelson, and it was called "Phil." It's kind of a rip roaring unauthorized biography of, of of the great golf maverick Phil Mickelson. And and he was the one. Shipnuck was really the guy who who broke the news about how Phil. And Phil says, I, "Phil is I, I can't remember whether he's either denying these comments or he's saying he made them off the record, but he he knew that he called the Saudis scary blankety blanks. I'm not going to say what he really said, but but he thought it was worth it to uh, get into bed with them and get this this league going to kind of stick it to the PGA Tour for what he viewed were monopolistic policies, antitrust, um, having control over players' name, image, and likeness, and all that sort of stuff that they they didn't think was right." Anyways, um, this is what Phil Mickelson said today. He said, awesome day today. Uh, That's what he tweeted out today. Um, Others had a different take on it. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes, a Canadian player who was at the Canadian Open, he he tweeted out, nothing like finding out through Twitter that we're merging with a tour that we said we'd never do that with, end of quote. Uh, Michael Kim, another PGA Tour player, said, very curious how many people knew this deal was happening. About five to seven people? It's a player-run organization, right? End of quote. And then, of course, uh, there's the, the uh, there's Brandel Chambly, the, the, who is maybe the most famous antagonist of Greg Norman, Liv Golf, Phil Mickelson, the two of... Mickelson and Chambly, by the way, have been engaged in a, in a long-running war of words on Twitter. They've been threatening to debate each other about this for a long time now. And everyone was wondering today, when is Chambly going to chime in? It. it what is he thinking? He hadn't tweeted anything. We we doubt we now know he's a golf channel commentator, by the way, former PJ player himself. What was he gonna say about this? Well, he did finally speak up. And I'm gonna tell you what he said right after the break. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. four-9149. We've got to get out, but, but hang with me if you're on the phone. Please, please, please hang on, and we'll get to you as soon as we can. Be right back. <music> Welcome back to the kale clark show 914-9149 is the number to call we're talking about the merger which is the number one news story in america today between the PJ tour and the saudi-backed live golf tour a lot of people have issues with it a lot of people think it's unethical and certainly maybe hypocritical of jay monahan and his crew to merge with live after accusing them anybody in league with live of sport washing of taking blood money uh, essentially that's what he said he didn't say it in so many words, but in fact, Jay Monahan, after having a powwow with the p j tour players who are all blindsided by this, many of whom turned down hundreds of millions of dollars to go to the live tour in order to stay loyal to the p j tour uh in order to uh do the ethical thing in the eyes of of jay monahan well here's what Monahan had to say just a few minutes ago after the players' meeting that he had with them uh, he said that um uh, hang on here. Let me let me find it here. That he said, quote, I recognize that people are going to call me a hypocrite. Anytime I said anything, I based I said it based on the information I had at the moment and based on someone trying to compete for the PGA Tour and our players. I accept those criticisms, but circumstances do change. End of quote. I don't know whether you buy that or not. Uh triple eight nine one four nine one four nine let's go to the phones right now let's go to fred in orlando hi fred uh,
4: uh thanks for taking my call the um i was really kind of surprised when i got in my car and heard you talking about this i want to compliment you on that i used to oh. caddy out there I actually did it for the last 20 years of my life and uh hold so
0: on, hold on cause of. fred did you say that you caddied on tour
4: yeah, I it on a number of tours, the ladies, the men's, the corn ferry tour. Wow. We've been in my car, all kinds of stuff, but, um, the, uh, I was kind of surprised like you, that, that Monaghan changed this position so quickly. Matter of fact, I have a son up in, in the East who was director of golf at a club and he is, he was lividly mad at those players that, that went over there mm. for the very reasons, uh, you've mentioned before, because of the families, nine 11, I was too. Um, But I did have sort of thoughts, you know, as a caddy, you know, I Mm -hmm. began to think, well, what would I do if my player was going over there? And I'd Mm. probably go with, you know, and uh, uh, I had trouble watching live golf because it looks to me like it's a, just a way to party and gamble on the game. And, you know, you know, you got these teams and stuff and, you know, it's kind of like Greg Norman did this to kind of, cause he was mad at the PGA and it was right. before the president's cup, you know, and all this stuff. But, um, I don't, I don't, you know, I was surprised when you actually, I was ready to call you and say Monahan was dead set against that. And then I, you mentioned that he had a change of heart and has, has signed an agreement. And I guess the one thing I will say is, chance for more caddies to make a living you know i spent a lot of time mm. in my car not wanting to beg for more money from relatives back and mm. back home yeah. in ohio and so you know it, it we pay our own expenses out there so more caddies are going to make more money and more players newer players are brought, brought into the pga i think with kepka when in the last the last pga that kind of and it was the, the, broke the door open for this to take place. So I, I think mm. grace will prevail. You know, mm-hmm. I, I yep. mean, I, if Hitler came to me and, and repented and said, I've done wrong, say, well, we're going to lock you up. and am going to ha- put you in front of the courts, but it's nice that you came back and repented, but, and you try and offer mercy to him the best you could, but he's still, they're responsible for their actions. And I don't know the details of, of what the Saudis mm. did, but I, I lean yep. toward the families. And I know they're hurt and they're pain. Yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 not a good. I I didn't like it from begin with, but you know these players, they don't want to work so hard anymore. They've struggled. You, each one's a different case, mm-hmm. and it's it's hard to turn down that money.
0: You know, I, yeah, Fred I,
4: has a story,
0: yeah, that's true. And and Brooks Kepka has been very open about that. You mentioned, of course, uh, one of the live golfers, Brooks Kepka, who won the PGA Tour. Uh, PGA Championship rather last week one of the majors and he came second in the Masters almost won that uh, he's, he's back in his game now but uh, there, there was a time when he was battling injury and he's been very open about the fact that he took the live money because he thought his his career was over he said I took the bag because I, I didn't think I was going to be able to ever make it back to the top of the mountain and I wanted to have security for my family Harold Varner third is another guy who's been very open about that and said you know I couldn't turn down life changing money uh, that would set my family up and maybe generations to come uh, for security. And so, he, a lot of people have been pretty honest about why they did it. Um, some have kind of gone with the party line that Liv was kind of throwing out of "We were here to grow the game. That's what it's all about." Mm-hmm. Uh, but but let's face it, most of them did it um, for the bag. And whether whether you can fault them for that or not is a, is a whole other story. And I feel like I feel like now that now that the tour they're they're, they're all under one umbrella the European tour, which is known as the DP world tour, live golf and the PGA tour. I don't know how it's all going to shake down in the end, but, but I, 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 wouldn't, I mean, obviously players now, they they can't be accused of anything because this is not their doing. They didn't choose this. This is being foisted upon them. Where the money's coming from is not something they're under, you know, in control of. But yeah. I, I do I think George the, McElroy, I go, mean, ahead, go ahead. Roy McElroy had, it, I
4: think Roy McElroy said it, made a good statement we all we all know the the love of money is the root to all kinds of evil, but the or to all evil really the love of it. And and Roy said that I'd have a hard time doing something for money alone. Mm-hmm. And you know, so they got they'll have to answer. They got their own families, and everyone, most everybody out there has had, had a hard luck story. They suffered. They've, it's so competitive. I mean, you know, you, you, and you just have a good week, and you you make a breakthrough, and then. You know, you, something else happens, you hurt your wrist or something goes on. And and you've already given up any chance at any other kind of career. And, and they're like all too old to start over again, most of them. And most of them, are, a lot of them, I worked for one guy and He he had ADD. We he forgot his medications once in the uh, wow. uh, Corn Ferry Tour, West Virginia. We ended up winning the event because he forgot his his vet. I think he was so it, it his concentration <laughs> got so heated. We had like a five shot lead at one time and so it was it was pretty cool.
0: That is, but, that uh, is uh, you know,
4: he, he did need the medication, so I mm-hmm. promise you. But right. I mean there were like herbal things, but I mean he did, he did sure. have some serious attention deficit going on. So yeah. Anyway, Fr- they're
0: all yeah, Go ahead, Fr- I'm sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say, like as you said, like uh, the vast majority of players out there are just grinding it out in caddies as well, just trying to make a living. It's it's very rare to be in that rarefied air really of players like Rory McElroy in the in the top ten who are cashing big checks not only from tournaments, but also from sponsors as well. All right. Um and so yeah, it's it's very difficult at times to, to pass judgment on these guys, for sure. And so, But, but th- thank you very much for the call, Fred. I really appreciate that call and the insight you got it, man. that you bring to the table. So thanks for listening. That was Fred in Orlando, former PGA Tour caddy, uh, who's, who's seen it uh, from the inside, uh, what goes on and, and how hard the grind is uh, for a lot of these players. You're listening to the Cale Clark Show on Relevant Ready. We're talking about uh, the historic merger, the very controversial merger. It's the number one story in the world today. Uh, between the pga tour and live golf well one person that and as you're calling in right now, i'll get your calls again in just a second 888-914-9149 the one guy that everybody was dying to hear from today was golf channel analyst brandel Chambly, who has been the most critical guy of of the saudi investment in sp- what he calls sport washing uh and and the the, the live golf experiment and He did finally speak up on the Golf Channel this afternoon. He looked pretty haggard. He looked like he'd had a pretty sleepless night. Here's what Brandel Chamblee had to say about this today.
1: Joining us now, our colleague, Brandel Chamblee, who's been very outspoken in this story. Brandel, your reaction to this news and this merger today?
2: Well, like everyone else, when I first heard about it, I was completely shocked. I can't imagine that uh, too many people outside of maybe the two or three or four or five people that were in the room that this merger to fruition would have known anything about it Uh, after the shock sort of ebbed away i was hugely disappointed i think this is one of the saddest days in the history of professional golf Uh, i do believe that the governing bodies the entities the professional entities have sacrificed their principles for profit and then of course i tried to imagine what circumstances would have led to such a capitulation Uh, I think there are three things likely that would have led to something like this, as Jody was just talking about previous, uh, intractable legal issues going on indefinitely into the future, Uh, no doubt with legal vulnerability on both sides of this issue. And the only people that stood to profit from that were the lawyers that were involved. And then of course the, I think, entanglement of the various business uh, entities and sponsors that the PGA Tour has that have Saudi money, PIF money in them. And I think it became increasingly difficult for the PGA Tour to disentangle themselves from that scrutiny and from that criticism. And then of course, the fact that there would be billions of dollars on the table for potentially the growth of the game globally at, uh, I say in the best case scenario. It could have been any one of those. It could have been a combination of all three of those. Uh, But at least in my view, uh, those three uh, issues were at play and. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if that's what led to uh, this merger.
0: Yeah, okay. This so I was Chambly there, and I think he's bang on um, when, he, when he says there, there's a few reasons why this probably happened and happened now. The fact that there are a number of lawsuits going on, uh, and Phil Mickelson has kind of uh, hinted at, you know, that he was, even in the days leading up to this, that he was pretty confident of live golf prevailing. There are all kinds of antitrust suits going on right now and uh Kale, I think stuff. he knew what was going to happen. I think yeah, he knew what was going to happen. I, th- I think he was he's probably he had been interviewed by justice uh, department officials and I think he was pretty confident in the case against the PJ Tour which isn't necessarily over just because they they've made this deal. They're still being being investigated for monopolistic practices in the industry in the golf industry. But as Chambly also said let's face it, a lot of PGA Tour events are sponsored by companies that also have links to the Saudi Public Investment Fund that somehow there's Saudi money entwined with that and so they just couldn't extract themselves from this without looking like total hypocrites in some ways so they, and again just the competitive aspect of it too eventually it's not a viable solution to, to have a situation where the top players in the world are not together, they're not competing against one another except for in the major championships four times a year viewership would be down um it's hard enough to get players to play in in all the events it, anyways there, there's a lot of factors going on here but uh at the end of the day the the merger has happened for for better or for worse let's go now to suzy in lacrosse wisconsin hi suzy
4: hey kale i was uh, listening yesterday and i think i had heard that opec was going to be you know pumping um a million less gallons of oil a day very soon and Gas prices are going up, and so well, coming home from work mm. today, I hear you talking about this, and I'm like, "Whoa, how nice!" Because now the American public can um, basically pay for this merger. Hmm,
0: that's 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 really interesting, and and uh, I've always, you know, this is interesting because as a Canadian, there there's, there's always been such a um, backlash against the Canadian oil sands as a source of. of of petrol and and oil for for North America, and if you don't take North American oil, you're going to have to get it from somewhere else, at least for the foreseeable future. Getting into the transition to sustainable energy, all that sort of stuff that that's 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 down the road. I've never quite understood that because you get yourself in these situations, but I'm not a geopolitical expert, that's for sure. and I, I thank you for that for that call, Susie. Now one guy that has been heavily criticized for supporting Live golf, by the way is former President Trump. And he was loudly criticized last year for hosting at one of the, uh, the Trump properties, a live event. This is interesting. Now, he's, he's saying this is, a, this is we sort of we told you so. Eric Trump said in an interview, this merger is a wonderful thing for the game of golf. I truly believe that. This is interesting because last year, last year, Trump kind of called this. He predicted this last year. This is what he said on Truth Social in July of 2022, just uh, about a year or so ago. He said, quote, all of those that remain loyal to the very disloyal PGA in all its different forms will pay a big price when the inevitable merger with Liv comes. And you will get nothing but a big thank you from PGA officials who are making millions of dollars a year. And he's basically saying this to the players now, quote, if you don't take the money now, you will get nothing after the merger takes place. And you can only say how smart the original signees are. End of quote. Well, he called that. You have to, you have to give it to him. He called that 100%. And so players who did take the live money, uh, Cam Smith, uh, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Phil Mickelson, all these guys, the player. The merger's going to happen. The gold rush is over for the current PGA Tour players who stayed loyal. Think about somebody like Ricky Fowler, whose career is kind of stalled out. He was offered $75 million to go. He didn't take it. Um, uh who, who will zalatoris was offered i think 150 million he didn't take C- it
1: colin Morikawa and uh, probably uh, xander shoffley
0: and patrick Cantley. a lot of the top players were yeah. offered a lot yeah, a, a lot of money mm-hmm. and now and now they're they're saying like what like what was the point of saying no i mean again you might be able to make the argument that you're working directly if you will for the saudis kind of if you take the live money um but but now it's kind of an indirect thing. Obviously, is it is it sort of like proxy well well the cooperation thing or if anything the
1: thing Kale is at the time there's sort of a choice between PGA Tour and Live Golf. Now, if you want to play in the best tour in the world, there's only one.
0: There's only one
1: choice. There's said, only yeah. one. Yeah. And can you imagine if you're like a budding golfer and maybe you have qualms about working with with Live and and the Public Investment Fund from Saudi Arabia? If you want to be a top golfer, where else are you going to go? Unless you're just going to be like a career amateur and just make your money elsewhere.
0: Yeah, That's I'm about a, it. I'm not a moral theologian, but mm. I would say that th- there is no, they're not, they're not implicit, implicitly cooperating in, in any kind of evil by being on tour now. I mean, you might be able to say, like I said earlier, when you went to live, you might be able to make that argument that you know, where's the money coming from? You know where it's coming from. You're complicit in this somehow. I don't think you can say that anymore, but that doesn't change the fact that these guys were laughing all the way to the bank and they get to come back to the PGA Tour. They get to have their cake and eat it, too. Does it seem fair? No, it, it, it doesn't at some level. But it, it's, an, it's an intriguing situation, to, to say the least. And um, I'm sure we'll be talking about it in days to come. But here's something else we have to talk about, Patrick. On the other side of the break, we have to talk about the announcement yesterday, the huge announcement from Apple. And this is something that at first I was like, eh, this isn't a big deal. But I think it's a way bigger deal. Than we could possibly imagine, and more on that, and the moral implications of that. After the break, triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. It's Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Explaining the faith so you can explain it to others. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Hey, welcome back to the program, 888-914-9149 is the number to call, toll free, 888-914-9149. Follow me on Twitter, at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. Lots to talk about today. Another thing I wanted to get to, another big news item that's that's in the news cycle, is the big announcement made out of Cupertino, California. And of course, there's St. Joseph of Cupertino, the Flying Father, but that's not what I'm talking about. You, you might see a, a vision of the Flying Father going across your your field of vision as you're wearing the vision pro this is the new headset from apple it looks like a super awesome product but maybe it's super scary maybe both here's the announcement from apple at its worldwide developers conference yesterday check it out
5: today i'm excited to announce an entirely new ar platform with a revolutionary new product and here it is introducing apple vision pro Vision Pro is a new kind of computer that augments reality by seamlessly blending the real world with the digital world. It's the first Apple product you look through and not at. Vision Pro feels familiar, yet it's entirely new. You can see, hear and interact with digital content, just like it's in your physical space and you control Vision Pro using the most natural and intuitive tools, your eyes, hands, and voice. With Vision Pro, you're no longer limited by a display. Your surroundings become an infinite canvas. Use your apps anywhere and make them any size you want. Capture photos and videos and relive your most important memories in an entirely new way. Watch your movies, shows, and sports, and immerse yourself in games on a giant screen surrounded by spatial audio. And connect with people as if you're sharing the same space. These are just some of the ways that Vision Pro blends digital content into the space around us.
0: Okay, so that was Apple CEO Tim Cook uh, in a video introducing the latest device from Apple, the latest game-changing device called the Vision Pro. It's AR, augmented reality, slash VR, virtual reality headset. And this is, this is something that I had zero interest in before, even really today. I knew they were making a headset. I knew they were kind of going to try to compete with Facebook and their MetaQuest headset and the Metaverse. And I, listen, I have no interest in strapping uh, some sort of a contraption to my head and looking at a, at a screen right in front of my eyes in this lame, really lame virtual metaverse. And renderings of the metaverse just look ridiculous to me. Uh, terrible animations, um, avatar, people with no legs walking around. Like it's, sort of, it's just a strange thing. Okay? I have no interest in that. I'd rather live in the real world. And I thought that Apple's headset was going to be kind of more of the same, but it is different. It is different, and this could be an absolute game-changer, but it does have some very, very serious potential issues from an ethical standpoint. And I'll get into that in just a second, but, and it kind of plays into people's fears about artificial intelligence. Forget about chat GPT. This is something else entirely. So um, Mark Gurman, who writes a column for Bloomberg called Power On, he he's covers Apple and a lot of other tech, he basically said that, look, th- this headset is is a brand new platform that could actually cannibalize all the existing products that Apple has. Think about when the iPhone came out in 2007. What a what a game changer it was for the world. It like just ushered in the era of the smartphone for real. And it's just so ubiquitous now. And just like the iPhone, when it came out, cannibalized the iPod. Remember, the iPod was was all the rage. Well, you didn't need one anymore because your phone essentially was an iPod. And I remember the the famous keynote when Steve Jobs uh, introduced the iPhone in 2007 he said it's a phone it's an iPod it's an internet communicator oh by the way those aren't three different products they're one product it's called iPhone remember that it was such a moment uh, great showmanship there so the iPhone cannibalized the iPod and the iPad has kind of threatened to cannibalize the traditional Mac computer the MacBook but this new product according to Gurman, has the ability to knock out all three of those things at once. It could get rid of, eventually, the iPhone, the iPod, the iPad, the Mac, everything uh, could be sort of subsumed in this thing called the Vision Pro. So again, just hearing that keynote uh, video, it's really hard to picture that, so I'd encourage you to kind of check it out uh, on your own so you can see it. But By the way, this thing is a really hefty price tag. You might need to take out a second mortgage for this. The initial price of this thing, when it comes out early next year, and it's only going to be available in the U.S. for starters, $3,500. Of course, they listed at $3,499 because it's only $3,400 and something. Uh, $3,499, essentially $3,500 U.S. Now, that, that's, a, that's a lot of cash if you think about it. But don't forget, adjusting for inflation, the initial Macintosh, when it was first released in 1984, that would be $5,500 in today's dollars. So it's not way out of whack as much as you might think. But it does lack a lot of things that it probably should have. It doesn't have cellular connectivity like even your Apple Watch has now. It can't make phone calls by itself. It's way too bulky to wear out in public. And this is where I kind of miss. Remember Google Glass? Remember that? It was was sort of discontinued because people thought they were creeped out, that there was people walking around with these glasses that had a little camera in it and interactive stuff. Uh, people who wore them in public were called glass H O L E S. Remember that? Um, I, I kind of miss Google. I thought it was kind of a cool idea, but this thing is way it's, it's, it's a massive headset you put on over your face. It's huge. It has an external battery pack that's attached by this cable. It's, it's, it's kind of unwieldy. It can only charge for two hours. But eventually, they're going to work out the the quirks with this, and it will have all of those things. And this is going to take a period of years. In fact, Mark Gurman says in five years, it's going to be a lot different, and it will be a product killer of uh, maybe the the entire Apple lineup. Okay, so here's what's kind of interesting about it, and this is why I was kind of wrong about it. This is some of the stuff that that that, that it can do. Mark uh, Walensky uh, on Twitter uh, had had an interesting thread. Uh, talking about it. So here's some some amazing features. So you can actually, you don't just look at a screen in front of your eyes. You can actually look through this device. You can look through it at the world. And Tim Cook said that this is the first Apple product you can look through and not at. So it sort of blends the real world with the digital world. You can see all these app icons in front of your face, but you're still looking at your room, whatever's in front of you. As he said, you can control it with your hands, your eyes, your voice. You don't need a remote control of, any, of anything like that. This is really cool. You can look at your computer. Let's, let's say you have a MacBook or a MacBook Pro. You open up your, your computer, and you can actually see the screen in front of your face. And you can make it as big as you want it to be. You can, you can make it fill your field of vision so it looks like a gigantic movie screen. So when you think about the price tag, people spend more than $3,000 on, on plasma TVs, 60-inch, you know, 70-inch plasma TVs that don't have nearly the, the functionality of this thing. And if you're living in a small space and you don't have a TV, this could be your TV. This could be your, your personal home theater. It's, it's interesting. And then they've got a 3D camera built into this thing where you can take pictures and videos. And when you play it back to yourself, it's like you're in the scene. Imagine a, a child's birthday party. You're blowing out the candles. Every time you replay that, you're going to feel like you're in the room. So it's pretty wild. But it also has kind of a scary side, too. There, there's a developer who worked on the project, and he's now left Apple. This is what he tweeted yesterday. This guy's name is Sterling Crispin. who said and He's a young dude. He said, I spent 10% of my life working on this for Apple, the Vision Pro. Well, it turns out 10% of his life was only three years. So he's a young dude, uh, three and a half years or so. And he worked at Apple as a neurotechnology prototyping researcher. All right. So he's worked on this project, and now he's kind of freelancing. He had to sign all these non-disclosure agreements with Apple, but this is what he could say. This is what he could say about it. He said this in a tweet, quote, The work that I did supported the development of Vision Pro, the mindfulness experiences, products, more ambitious moonshot research with neurotechnology, like predicting that you'll click on something before you do. It's basically mind-reading. He says, I was there for three and a half years. I left at the end of 2021, and now I'm seeing how everything I worked on is kind of coming together in this product. And a couple of the interesting things he says that this thing can do, Apple's sort of developing tech. He says there's AI models that can predict if you're feeling curious, if your mind is wandering, if you're scared, if you're paying attention, if you're thinking about something from the past or some other cognitive state. Well, how on on earth can they know this? Well, they can do it through measuring your eye tracking, the way your eyes are moving, electrical activity in your brain, your heartbeats, your heart rhythms, your muscle activity, the blood density in your brain, blood pressure, the way your skin is conducting, all kinds of things. And they're able to kind of harness this stuff in their tech right now. So this is absolutely wild. They're creating biofeedback by monitoring people's physical behaviors, eye behaviors, and and more. And trying to create an anticipatory response. So it's kind of like he calls it a crude brain-computer interface via the eyes. This is, is wild. I, I don't know. Are, are you okay with this? This is um, it's pretty spectacular tech. Maybe some of the most spectacular tech that's ever been seen on the face of the earth. Um, so I, I think I, I was wrong about this. It's a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be. But for those who are worried about AI and what it's capable of doing... Man, this is <laughs> this is your, your ticket to have a lot of interesting conversations with your friends and family, because uh, it, it's wild, uh, to say the least. So the, the brain-machine interface, my goodness, uh, we're living in cyborg land, it seems. But anyways, that, that's just another big news item that uh, came down the pike yesterday. Wanted to talk about it with you today. Lots of implications for the future. We're certainly living in pretty exciting times, aren't we? unprecedented times and we need to figure out how to integrate eternal truths with the rapidly changing world around us all the time it's what we try to do on the kale Clark show it's the intersection of faith culture and so much more and I was so happy to spend this hour with you like I like I said there's so many other things I wanted to get to but we're gonna have to leave it till tomorrow but thanks for joining me today this hour podcast will be available just a few minutes after the show on RelevantRadio.com, the Relevant Radio app. I want to invite you also to check out the Faith Explained program. We're going through a series on the Holy Spirit. How do you know when the Holy Spirit's speaking to you? How do you know it's not just your own crazy thoughts? Maybe it's the enemy. I don't know. Well, we're going to talk about that. We talked about it today. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Check it out in podcast form. Jim Shaper produced. Patrick A. Electric your phone calls. Joined me earlier today on the show. It was a lot of fun. Take it away, Michaela.
3: Thank you for listening to my daddy.